0: historians talk about different ages of time that as you go back in time for instance long ago they talk about the ice age and then as men began to develop more you talk about the iron age and the bronze age and so forth historians divide us up into ages of time you know what they call our modern age whether you knew it or not you are living in what they identify as the information age this is the information age that we're living in and of course uh, new technologies have made it possible for all sorts of information to be routed toward us. Now, you could go back not that very long ago, just a few hundred years ago, in fact, uh, the, the development of the printing press. And that, that was a, a, a huge technological advance that made lots of information available to people who didn't have it before. And then, of course, uh, there were more things that made information available the radio, and then the TV, and now, of course, computers and the Internet have just flooded the market with information. We are actually just bombarded constantly by information. Now, when you get all of that information, obviously, it's necessary to sort sort it out. Some of the information that's available is just pretty useless, you know. It's, it's out there, but it doesn't really serve any useful purpose and doesn't help you much. But other information, other facts and, and so forth that are sit our way are are absolutely essential. And so it becomes our challenge to sort out the meaningless from the meaningful. Today we want to talk about some of the most important information. In fact, I would argue the most important information that is out there. This morning for a few minutes, we want to talk about some essential facts concerning salvation. When it comes to information, the facts about salvation are the very most important information that is out there. Uh, we have to seek to know it and to understand the facts and truth about salvation, and that will be our lesson this morning. Before we get further into that discussion, we stop for just a minute to say thank you for being present. It has already been mentioned, we have a glorious Lord's Day morning in Middle Tennessee, and it's just a, a blessing in so many ways not just from the, the weather and the beautiful spring flowers, but also that it is a Lord's Day and that we're able to come together with others of like precious faith and join together in the worship of God. It's just a, a blessing on all counts. We're glad that you're here to be a part of it. We have several visiting with us today, and we're so grateful that you've come. We want you to come back every time you can. If you have questions, please ask them. If you would like more uh, in, uh, involved Bible study, or if you have Bible questions, just ask us we'd be glad to, to engage you in Bible study at your convenience. Thanks for being here this morning. Let's talk about some essential facts concerning salvation. The very first fact that we would point out is, I think, an obvious one, but a necessary one. And that is, God wants all to be saved. I would argue that one of the saddest and blatantly false ideas that is out there in the religious world is the doctrine of predestination. The idea that God has pre-selected certain people to salvation and specifically excludes others and will not let them be saved. That He's chosen some and excluded others. Of course, that's just not so. We hear of that doctrine of predestination and, and there are a number of people who believe in it, but the Bible certainly argues against that. God wants all to be saved. This is the fact. And I think it's easily demonstrated from the Scriptures. God wants all to be saved and that includes you. He wants you to be saved. In First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Is that plain enough? Could you state it in any clearer terms than that? God wants all men to be saved. That's very clear, isn't it? But that's the that's building block upon which we'll base everything else that we'll discuss this morning The very simple elementary fact, God wants you and he wants me and he wants us all to be saved in eternity. The other end of that spectrum, though, is one spectrum is God's extreme desire for our salvation. The other end of that is that the devil himself wants no one to be saved. Here's the culprit in the story. This is the villain in the tale. Uh, This is the true enemy of all mankind, and that is Satan. Satan wants all to be lost. He wants no one to be saved. Uh, He is doing whatever he can to bring about your defeat, your doom, your destruction, your eternal loss. Satan wants you to be lost. In Luke chapter 8, you may remember the parable of the sower that Jesus taught. And as he was explaining the parables, remember the parable of the soil the man went out to sow seed and he sowed it on different kinds of soil. Jesus proceeds to explain that parable. And in Luke 8, verse 11, he says, The parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. See what the devil was doing in that story? He was doing what was in his power to prevent people from receiving the Word of God, letting it take root in their hearts. He took away the Word out of their hearts. Why? Because He did not want them to believe and be saved. Do you see it? Um, Now, since that is the case, since God wants you to be saved and Satan doesn't, then the question probably to ask is, uh, who are you going to resist? Who are you going to oppose? Are you going to resist and oppose God, or are you going to resist and oppose Satan? It really is a no-brainer, as we say. We should be resisting Satan. But unfortunately, many are passively letting Satan have his way. As you ignore salvation, if you're not doing anything to affect the salvation of your soul, then you're playing right into the hands of Satan. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to be lost. And if you allow that to happen, then you're just giving in and submitting to the will of the devil. Another fact of salvation that we could point out is that God doesn't just want us to be saved. He's made it possible for us to be saved. He's done everything that we need so that we can be saved. Think about this. Maybe maybe we could draw a contrast here. What if I stood up here this morning and said, I would like every one of you in the audience this morning to receive one million dollars. Britt, I'd like you to have a million dollars, okay? Mark, I'd like you to have a million dollars. Anthony, you too. Well, that's great that I want you to have a million dollars, but I can't do anything about that. <laughs> I could say I want it, but I can't affect the outcome. I can't make it so, right? And so I could want it, but couldn't do anything about it. That's not the case with God. He wants us to be saved, and He has been able to put in place a plan whereby we can be saved. He has made salvation absolutely accessible for everyone. One of the most beautiful passages, and also one of the best-known passages in the New Testament, is John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As I said, this is really beautiful uh, to think about the fact that God cared and provided His own sons a sacrifice so that we don't need to perish, but we can have everlasting life. How do you react when someone provides for you a wonderful, beautiful, overwhelming gift? In other words, if if someone today were to give you something, a very significant gift, what would you do? Would you just callously ignore the gift and the giver? Someone's gone to a lot of trouble to prepare and provide a gift for you? Would you just uh I don't care, just ignore it? Obviously, you would not. You would respond in gratitude to the one who has provided such a gift. And I really think that's the way we ought to look toward God. God has provided a gift beyond description in the sending of His own Son to be a sacrifice for our sins. How are you going to react to that? Are you just going to callously ignore that? Or are you going to respond in gratitude? Think about that. You know, this is a special day in many people's minds religiously, Easter Sunday. And many today will be paying attention to Jesus and the things Jesus did. And, of course, we're always glad when people pay attention to the things that Jesus did. But in in a sense, to think of that only once per year, to only pay attention to the, the death of Jesus and His resurrection just once a year is not nearly enough. In full gratitude for the great gift of God... We need to be constantly mindful of what He's done for us and respond in gratitude. So, what else? Not only has God made it possible for all to be saved, but the fact of the matter is, and we're talking about the facts of salvation, the fact is that not everyone is going to be saved. That's a fact. And we're not just speculating about that. We know from the Scriptures, the Scriptures plainly tell us that not everyone will be saved. It's not because God has failed, but because men choose not to respond in gratitude toward his gift. Look in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning verse 7. It says, The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Do you see that? Do you see that some are going to be lost? Not everybody is going to be saved? When you consider that fact and that possibility, then the question becomes, what are you going to do about that? When, When the Bible very plainly tells us that not everyone is going to, you can be saved, but not all are automatically going to be saved, what are you going to do about that? There are some in the religious world who teach the doctrine of universalism. Everybody will be saved. No, that's not so. And it's clearly not so in this plain passage to talk about the Lord coming and those who will be punished with everlasting destruction because they knew not God and obeyed not the gospel. So when we're talking about facts, you've got to take that one into consideration. Facts of salvation is not everybody's going to be saved. In fact, we could take that a step further and argue that the majority, in reality, are not going to be saved. The majority are going to be lost. It's interesting that when they take polls of, uh, you know, public opinion polls and they ask the question, do you think when you die you will go to heaven? A lot of polls like that have been conducted over the years and the results are consistently the same. Everyone I've ever, uh, read after says that 90% of people, over 90% of people believe that when they die they will go to heaven. So public opinion is that most people think they're going to go to heaven. Most people will be saved, in their opinion. Of course, that's not true. The facts are different than the public opinion polls. Many ignore the plain statement of Jesus. This was included in the reading that Trent read for us earlier from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way." which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, that's not me saying that. That's not us saying that. That's Jesus. Those are the very words of Jesus. That quote comes from the famous Sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus say? Where are the majority of people going to spend eternity? Jesus said the majority are going to be lost and that the minority will be saved. Now, again, that's not us saying that. That's the very words of Jesus most people are going to be lost. Now, let's stop there for a minute to sort of summarize what we've said so far. We're we're trying to obtain the essential facts concerning salvation. Well, we know that God wants all to be saved. The devil, of course, wants the opposite. But God wants all to be saved, and he has made it possible for that to happen. But not everybody's going to automatically be saved. In fact, the majority will be lost. So what do we got to do then? Where do we go from there? Well, we have to point out that not ever not no one in fact can earn their salvation. no one can earn salvation you know when you think about the first facts that we have described, someone says, well i got to do something now i, I got I to get busy uh, Give me a list will you please will you give me a list so I can start racking up my bonus points you know i got I, is it like that? You know, I just got to start accumulating points. And, and if I can do enough and accumulate enough points to get me over the threshold, then I'll be saved based upon all the good things that I have done. You know, a lot of people have the idea that if if my level of good deeds outweighs the, the measure of bad things that I've done, it's sort of like a tipping scale, you know. If, if I can say that I've done more good than bad, in the end, it will be all right with me. I'll be saved by the virtue of that I've done more good than bad. All of that's wrong, right? You can't rack up enough bonus points. You can't do enough good to, to outweigh the bad. You can't earn your salvation. We need to know that and accept that as a fact as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, 8, eight 9 and 10, Paul says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Now, please notice that we're not saved by works. It's not of works, Paul says, but he identifies the kind of works that he has in mind there. It's the kind of works that a man could boast about. It's not of works lest any man should boast. In other words, Paul's saying there's not any kind of works that you could do to earn your salvation and brag about it at the end or boast about it. Look at all I've done. I've earned my salvation. No, there are no works like that. And so we can't earn our salvation. That passage definitely teaches that. Now, we're going to go on and talk about some things that we need to do to affect salvation. This verse also talks about good works that God has ordained we should walk in. So it's not saying there's nothing to do. Some people try to misapply that passage and say there's nothing to do. The passage is not saying that. But the passage is saying that there are no kind of works that we could do that we could boast about what we have accomplished for the Lord and claim that we have earned our salvation. So you can't earn your salvation and you can't be saved without Jesus. Another fact of salvation is no one can be saved without Jesus. You know, there are a lot of religions in the world. Uh, and the, sort of the idea that is conveyed pretty popularly these days is that you just choose one. You know, choose what you like when it comes to religion. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if you were to make a list of world religions... Far more of them do not even believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. In other words, the idea that Jesus is the Son of God is a minority opinion in the world these days. Uh, there are a lot of religions. You, know, you could talk about the Jewish religion, not the Jews who do not believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You could talk about the Muslims uh, who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And a host of other religions prominent world religions, Hindus and Buddhists and others who do not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. But really, religions, religion, is the idea. Just pick a religion. Any religion will be fine. No. We can start narrowing down what it takes to be saved, and one of the very simple things it takes to be saved, part of the plan that God put in place so that all could be saved, is the truth that Jesus Christ is His only begotten Son. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I wonder how that could have been stated in a different way to make the point any more definite. Jesus said, No man comes to the Father but by me. How could you say that in a different way to convey the truth any more powerfully than that? You've got to come to God by Jesus. Now, what, do you, what conclusion do you draw? From? If you believe in Jesus, it, 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 and unfortunately there are some professed Christians, they say they believe in Jesus, but they think that Jesus is not necessary. They say they they say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm willing to accept that Jews, unbelieving Jews, could go to heaven. I'm willing to believe that Muslims could go to heaven, pursuing their religion, or Hindus, or Buddhists, or who? Well, if you believe in Jesus, then you've got to believe what he said here, right? And what Jesus said is, no man comes to the Father, but by me. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. No one can be saved without Jesus. We believe that. The Bible teaches it. It's a fact. It has to be accepted. Now, what else can we add? We're we're, we're, we're desirous to be in that group that's going to have heaven and eternity. What else do we know? We know that the gospel is the way to find out about salvation. The gospel is God's power to salvation. Someone says, okay, I see it now. I see that I have to believe in Jesus. But how do I, how do I find out the specifics, the details? Uh, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Well, that's really pretty easy, isn't it? Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Notice, it's not human opinions. It's not what your preacher said. It's not what your parents believed. It's the gospel. What the gospel says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We've got to go to the Word of God. We've got to find our answers there concerning salvation. When we do, we find out that salvation is dependent upon our obedience. This is a definite fact of the Scriptures. We're, we're seeking essential facts about salvation And one of the essential facts about salvation is that salvation is dependent upon our obedience. Now, we already pointed out that salvation is dependent upon what God has done, and salvation is dependent upon what Jesus has done, but salvation is also dependent upon our response of obedience to the things that the gospel teaches. Notice in Romans chapter 10, beginning verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Which, by the way, is one of our memory verses, right? Romans 10.10. But notice here. If we were to ask a lot of our religious friends, right here in our own community today, if we were to ask them, do you have to believe in Jesus? They would say yes, and they would agree with this. You you have to, if if thou believe in thine heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And if we were to ask them, do you think you have to believe in Jesus? Many Most of our religious friends in our country and in our community would say, yeah, I, I'll accept that. You have to believe in Jesus. Well, take that a step further. Do you believe that you have to confess that you believe Jesus? And most of our religious friends would say, yes, I, I, I believe that too. I think... You have to believe in Jesus, and you have to be willing to confess that you believe in Jesus. Well, this passage definitely teaches that, right? With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. If you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. So yes, confession is in there too, right? And so they would argue, okay, you gotta go that far. You have to believe and you even have to confess that you believe. But man, they want to put the brakes on hard when we get to the subject of repentance. I mean, excuse me, well, repentance and baptism. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or Mark 16.16, which clearly teaches baptism, right? Mark 16.16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now they now they put the brakes on and say, no, 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 no. I can't accept that. I can't accept that you have to be baptized. Well, again, the Scriptures are really clear on that, aren't they? This is part of our response to the Gospel, is that we not only believe and confess and repent, but also that we be baptized for the remission of sins. Why would we argue that? Why would that be a thing to argue? Yes, our salvation is dependent upon our obedience. Finally, uh, another important fact, and this is for many of us who are already Christians, we need to be reminded... That our salvation ultimately necessitates our remaining faithful. Uh, most of us who are here today, many need to, uh, many reminders need to be made that this essential fact is there in the scriptures. You must be faithful if you want to be saved. Even if you're already a Christian, you have to continue to be faithful. In First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, beginning. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Notice, Paul said it's possible to have believed in vain. He was writing to Christians there. But he said you've got to keep things in memory, you've got to keep being obedient, you've got to remain faithful. It's possible for you to have believed in vain. Well, there are some essential facts about salvation. I think they're all important, don't you? And they're all based in the Scriptures. We've we've tried very diligently to support every one of those statements with Scriptures that prove that it's so. As we often say, if we're just preaching human opinion or think-so's, feel free to ignore anything we've said. Because one opinion's as good as another. Your opinion's as good as mine or the next guy's. But if it's in the Word of God, it's not our opinions, it's revelation, it's it's the inspired Word. And these facts are there, and we need to accept them and act accordingly. What's your situation this morning uh, concerning the salvation of your eternal soul? Are you prepared to meet God in judgment? If you're not yet a Christian, but you understand the things that we've talked about this morning, then you need to respond in humble obedience to the Word of God. The plan of salvation, as we often recite it, is upon hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. We'd be anxious and happy to assist you in your obedience. If you're uh, still in doubt, if you need more Bible study, you say, I've got some questions, I'd like some more answers. Just say a word, we'll be glad to study with you. But this is important. It is the most important information out there. If you're a Christian already, remember that last point we were just making. We've got to remain faithful. And if you've fallen away and not been faithful to your Lord, you need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you so that you can leave this place once again justified in the sight of God. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.